Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant to the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come, as always. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce my investment panel, resident experts in the market to my left, their ever-present Mr. Buy the Dip, Dan, how high can it go? Howie, how are you, Mr. Dan Howie? Very good, mate. Frothing. Ah, frothing. Very good to hear. Very good to hear. And is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Shadakowski. How are you? Good, sir? Good, thank you. And back joining me, as always, in the hot seat, we've got the ever-mystic, Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen, how are we this week? Well, taking it back to how Dan's feeling today is frothy, the market has been a bit frothy this week. I mean, for the first time, and it feels like a long time, which it really isn't, the market actually ended up 1.5%. So... A little bit of a reprieve for investors. Would you believe this it week. at this point in time? <laughs> I know. I mean, one and a half percent. It felt like a lot. Felt like a big jump, especially today. I mean, I think Dan mentioned it was 15, 20 companies above ten percent. Yeah, twenty this stocks up over yeah ten percent, and then five up over twenty percent. So exactly. So a lot of day. buying pressure coming in today, which, as I said, uh, a lot of investors will be very pleased with that. Very good. So listen, last week, now I don't know, I've kind of put you guys on the spot a little bit here, but last week the market was down considerably. It was not a very positive podcast in terms of the sentiment around the market. However, we did identify some great opportunities that were looking quite good to get involved with. Were there any successes from those opportunities that we mentioned? I think, I mean, we looked at the businesses Plenty. we brought. Well, there was nine stocks, three of the each, um, and seven of the nine ended higher for the week, and a couple of them ended up more than seven, eight, nine, ten percent as well. Uh, the two of the stocks that were losers, one was Perseus Mining. And I mean, that's in the gold sector. Yep. I mean, on a stronger market, the gold hedge obviously had to pull back a little bit. Uh, and then the second stock that was down was Credit Corp as well. No, Whitehaven Coal. Sorry, Whitehaven Coal Whitehaven as well. Coal. And that was, energy got smashed this week and coal prices took a tumble. So so what was our top performer? Did we get a top performer? I believe it was Australian Ethical Investments. Uh, that was up over 10.5% today's session. So I think that would have been probably about 12% for the week. AAC was nearly 10%. Yeah. So we all bought these on, you know, for all of you viewers out there, we actually bought these businesses to you on Friday last week post-market. So after the market closed. And some of them have gone at, what, 10% since then? A couple uh, 10, a couple 6 or 7. I think Ordinate and Credit Corp were about 7%. I think um, some pretty good performers in there. Exactly. Very, very good. So congratulations, gentlemen. Very well done. Keep it coming. As always, we're going to go straight over now to the US, and I'd like uh, Mr. Louis Mossman to have a chat to about what's going over there in the political landscape. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I'm perusing uh, all of the data that comes out each week, and I've got uh, three charts that were courtesy of the Financial Times, and they're brilliant charts showing exactly what's been going on in the market. So the first one I'd like to bring up 
is a bit of a dot plot of all the different market corrections that have happened over the years. Now, I mean, there's lots of dots on the screen, uh, but the red dots reflect all the pullbacks in the S&P 500 uh, beyond 2020. And the two most notable there are the COVID crash and the you are here crash. And that crash is, of course, what we're going through right now. So that pullback is more than 20% um, and 164 days old. I, I got that. I was sitting in my head. I was like, what's that? That makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Well, the crash we're at is 24% down. That's quarter of the market cap of US major companies, which is quite a lot. Uh, and then, of course, we're 164 days into that crash. And if you look at it in respect to, I suppose, other crashes over the last, really, century, there's only five or six that look worse than that. I mean, that's the Nixon recession of 1969, the dot-com bubble, the Great Recession, and the Great Depression. So, I mean, it's been very sharp crash, as you can see, in respect to them. Uh, and from here, I do expect probably a further easing off, maybe down to that 40% level that we see on the chart. Uh, but again, it might just be a little bit more extended out to a couple hundred more days before we can actually come back into the positive. But nonetheless, the second chart... I've got for you here is the likelihood of a US recession. Now, pundits are putting the likelihood of a US recession in the first in quarter one to quarter two of 2023 at a whopping 38%. So uh, these two first quarters would obviously reflect and two negative quarters of negative growth and the opportunity of a recession. And that's quite high. Unfortunately for investors, especially Australia and the US, I do think that percentage chance is moving higher. The market's forward looking. A lot of that I think is priced in. Therefore, the bottom is coming in the next six months. Quite easy to say. And then finally, the last chart I've got on the screen is the difference between the interest rates right now and the Fed funds rates. And as you can see, it's just a crazy disconnect there. Um, we know what this chart's saying. We've been talking about it. Inflation above 8%, interest rates barely touching what they need to be. Uh, and just to for a funny bit of information, uh, if you want some entertainment in finance, I'd like you to look up on the internet, Warren Buffett, oh, no, sorry, Jerome Powell, versus Elizabeth Warren uh, on the Senate Banking Committee. Those two had a massive tussle overnight um, and she was accusing him of tanking the US economy by raising interest rates. And she's saying yeah, higher interest rates not going to help anybody um, and inflation is pretty much your fault. So if you want a bit of a laugh, I'd recommend looking that up for the weekend. Oh, very, very good. I was looking at that. Was a little bit of a shout out there. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Mossman. Insightful as always. Dr. Adam Setakowski, give us a bit of an overtake. Oh, sorry, a bit of a, an overview on what's happening with China at the moment. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting because there is so much debate what will be happening with the growth in China. And there was yet another confirmation in the positive direction somehow from China or the Chinese president. So uh, there was a, a speech keynote presentation uh, Wednesday. And there I actually have a quote there. He was saying that uh, China will strengthen macro policy, uh, policy adjustments and undertake simpler measures to try to satisfy the social and financial improvement targets in 2022. So when he's referring to the financial improvement targets, he is referring to the 5.5% growth in GDP for this year. And confirming that is really a big contrast to what we have seen from economists. So at, uh, at the moment, um, if you take the average of, um, of surveys that has been conducted, we are landing at an average of 4.1% estimate for the 2022. And that is uh, actually significantly lower than the, uh, just a couple of months ago when that, so a 40 basis point lower. Uh, so uh, around this 4%, so there's very, I mean, that is a lot. So there's, that's a big discrepancy about, uh, in regards to what is happening. So the last reading, so the quarter ending in March, we had a GDP growth for that quarter of 1.8%. Uh, 
3%. And uh, if we are expecting something like that repeating uh, the second quarter, and expectations are a little bit mixed about that, but certainly not enough, no one is expecting anything higher than that at this point. What do you, what do you think, Adam? <laughs> because, of course, all these numbers, they're very open to interpretation. I mean, they're saying 5%, and that's what they... Wh where do you think it's going to land? I mean, I'm getting to my, my okay. point here, so... <laughs> Hey, let the guy talk, <laughs> jeepers. So to get to that 5.5, for the second half of this year, you have to have GDP growing at more than 7%. I mean, I will tell you honestly what I think about that 7 plus percent for the second half of this year where a recession is coming in all other countries. No way that is happening. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I mean, and there are no economists coming even close to that. So I thought that was very interesting. So let me just quickly show you the chart where you kind of see the trend. I mean, do you see that going to 7% any anytime soon when you look at the last quarters we have had since 2020? They are all below 3% uh, three, uh, when we uh, start mid-2020. Nothing like that in the last many, many quarters. So certainly we will not be seeing anything jumping to, to uh, something like 7%. So yeah, he is very optimistic and uh, he was kind of encouraging actually some of the Western countries to help out, it's kind of indirectly saying they're weaponizing, they're doing sanctions and that is really what is additional factor to hurting China and they should stop doing that. But uh, I mean, I don't think they will be planning to stop the sanctions. Yeah, well, I think the biggest threat to them is, as you said, recession in the Western world. I mean, Europe and one of their biggest trading partners, America, there's just going to be a fall in consumer spending. And of course, the strength of the consumer around the world in the next six months, I think that's just given. And that's going to flow into the Chinese economy, which provides a lot of the goods and services that fuel the rest of the world and their own economy. So, I mean, those numbers, I think I have to agree. They're going to have a big stretch to get there. And if they're going to get there, they need to turn on all their mills. They need to fire the engines up and really go hard because at this point, uh, it, yeah, very unlikely, I believe. Yeah, so the speculation is that, uh, I mean, that they will potentially do something, at least to get closer. And, yeah. and one of the th uh, things uh, that, that is estimated that they could be targeting real estate market yeah. and help that. Very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All right, let's go over a little bit more locally, I suppose, and also overseas. Now, one thing that has really been sold off quite badly this year is, of course, our <coughs> big banks. In our case, the big four or the big five, if you want to go a little bit more modern with the addition of Macquarie. I know some of these have been sold off absolutely horrendously. I think... Um, what was it? Westpac's down over 20% at the moment, isn't it? It is. So uh, this is something I want to touch on, something I spoke about last week and sort of the outlook when we talk about the macroeconomic environment for the banks and maybe where they're going. But something I wanted to touch on again this week because I know a lot of people love the financial sector. It's a huge part of our index. Um, and, you know, those big banks are always a staple of a portfolio of someone that likes to have a pretty high dividend yield across the board. Um, but I think at this point in time, it's the speculation of are they going to go down from here or is this a really good buying opportunity for the banks? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people with those portfolios will hold businesses because they pay a good dividend yield. But at, really, is that going to be worth it if these banks still have another 10, 15, 20% default to sort of get another you know, 10% dividend yield? If that's going to offset it, maybe there is a chance to move across into another sector, such as materials or elsewhere, that do pay quite a healthy dividend as well. Sometimes you've got to look at the capital growth versus the dividend. And I think that's what a lot of people are weighing up at the moment. There's been a lot of uh, mixed, uh, I guess, output from the market on where they believe financials is going from here. Um, and I guess, as I spoke about last week, it is to do with the fact that some people think that um, the increased margins for the banks are going to overpower the fact that there will be less people taking out mortgages and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but some people are obviously on the other side of the coin as well. So a couple of uh, key points I wanted to mention. Um, there's a fund manager called T. Rowe Price. Um, people might say, who the hell is that? But he manages about $1.5 trillion in assets. Oh. 
uh, and he remains significantly underweight to the Australian banks and believes their earnings could uh, weaken sharply in the next t- six to 12 months uh, as slowing growth sparks increase in non-performing loans. So that's one side of it. Um, and I think that's a, a pretty fair point and I think a very valid point, but it's really going to be to do with the fact how high do interest rates go and how long do they remain elevated. So um, it's something that a lot of people are speculating on both sides. Um, and Morgan Stanley, they've also uh, really reduced their exposure to Australian banks and their model portfolio um, and gone not even down to neutral. They've gone from overweight straight to underweight um, in the short and medium term. Um, but on the other side, we see City. City maintained a very positive view on the banking sector. Um, and viewed the sell-off in the aftermath of the RBA's rate increase as a big buying opportunity. Um, as we mentioned, a lot of the big banks are down anywhere from 15 to 20%, and a lot of people do see that as a value at this point in time. And Macquarie, uh, funnily enough, um, <laughs> also they believe that there's going to be... Um, the, the weakness in the short term is a tactical buying opportunity, noting that the major lenders' near-term margin outlook was quite favourable. So it's really, like I said, weighing up the increase in margins against the, I guess, reduce. Uh, reduced demand so they're for flogging their own stock, really. <laughs> yeah, potentially. But <laughs> like, I think across the board, it is literally split down the middle. I've read a lot this week on the banks, and I think it's, um, yeah, are the people very underweight or people very bullish on the banks and seeing this as a very good buying opportunity? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, the fact that our market has dropped as much as it has, a lot of that has been pulled down by financials. Um, and it's, it's if you pick the bottom of the market, you could also be picking the bottom of this sector as well. So yeah. just, just add on to that. I mean, the, it's not only being felt in Australia, but across the world. I was talking to Dan earlier. In the US, JP Morgan fired 1,000 members from their mortgage uh, business side of their business. In the forecast, that sector is obviously yeah, going mortgage to be... Side of things. Exactly right. And I think banks are going to be looking to cut costs. Um, but I think that really does highlight the fact that they are you know, quite worried about the outlook in the next sort of six to 12 months. So... Um, again, that could be another you know spanner in the works, cutting costs and the impact and that on the on the bank's bottom line. But it's definitely going to be a space to watch and something that, like I said, a big part of our index, um, a big staple of those portfolios that do like to sort of hold value and like a good dividend yield as well. So, uh, interesting space to be watching at this point in time. I don't think it's a massive buying opportunity uh, at this point. You want to fall, see them fall a lot lower. Other than that, there's probably better opportunities. Also yeah, I think yeah, there's a little bit more. I think there's, yeah, as the index drops, financials are going to continue to drag it down. Very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1300 854 151. Now, everyone that does receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing and Demix for $39.95. In the meantime, we will take that quick break, as mentioned before, and we'll be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients.
Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities now, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, make the world go round. Let's talk about something that doesn't fold and something that is quite shiny. Give us an overview of copper and crypto. Of course. Well, copper is not something we always talk about, but it's commonly known as a bellwether uh, to our economy. And as a bellwether to the economy, the economy is fast fading away. The strength that we had probably six months ago and copper prices have followed. So um, overnight, copper prices did fall to a 16-month low. Uh, they fell 4.2%, and now they're down 14% for the month. So giving you a bit of an idea, the economic outlook probably isn't as strong for the next six months, which is a uh, fair outlook. It's used in just about everything from industrial applications, household appliances, electric vehicles, the lot. Uh, a quick uh, note from senior commodity strategist at ANZ, Daniel Hines. He says this, Copper's retreat is a warning signal that investors think there's going to be an economic slowdown. This fuel is fall is purely sentiment-driven because there's little evidence of weakness in copper fundamentals. The jury is still out on whether current tightening by central banks will hit demand for some of these commodities. Eurozone economic growth is showing signs of faltering as the tailwind of pent-up demand from the pandemic is already fading, having been upset by the cost of living slumping business and consumer confidence so a quick summary there he just has justified by saying maybe the fundamentals of copper haven't changed and potentially just because the outlook on the economy is poor doesn't mean the supply and demand fundamentals for copper have changed so he's still pretty bullish on the commodity space although of course we've had that pullback i just bring up a quick chart uh, of copper to show you its decline um, as you can see there it's fallen straight through those 200 day moving averages and, and it's made a low that you can't even see on the screen and that goes back to november last year i mean this tight this you know fall in commodities isn't being seen everywhere we've actually seen a jump in uh, zinc prices um, they've had quite a tightness in that market so the supply hasn't come back online at all and demand's still quite high with surging uh, zinc prices of course, your exposure to copper, uh, if I go back to that, if you want to look on our market, we've got a number of really great businesses. Obviously, BHP is one of them, hit this week by the fall in iron ore prices, but Oz Minerals, Newcrest, Sandfire Resources, and Glencore Holdings. South 32 do it as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. There's another one of those players. They're a bit more, they're diversified as well. Correct. Very diversified, yeah. Very diversified company. But they're the biggest players uh, in terms of production. Uh, and then on to crypto, I'll just give you a quick uh, brief overview. Of course, we've had that Thirty to twenty thousand dollar pullback, and now we're kind of just sitting there on twenty thousand. That was interesting. So I was talking the other day. Uh, they say crypto, uh, Bitcoin's dropped seventy five percent from its all time high, and, and everyone says shock. Oh, nothing ever moves that way. How's that do that? But Netflix has dropped seventy five percent too, as unless I'm much mistaken. So whether you're in stocks or crypto, like most things are getting sort of bashed around a little bit right now by this market sentiment. Exactly, and it's not no one's hiding away from the fact that it's a very high growth, high risk uh, sector, and it you know tracks a lot of these very volatile stocks. Itself is the most volatile of all. Um, but one thing that's plaguing the market is the loss of confidence in DeFi. I've been talking about this quite a lot now. Of course, that started with the Terra Luna saga, and of course, that effectively going to zero. Um, over the last fortnight, there's been concerns that one of the biggest crypto hedge funds, Three Arrows Capital, originally from Singapore. Now in Dubai with over 10 billion assets under management, their worries about their financial stability and maybe they're going under. They've hired legal professionals and financial advisors to help them out of the situation they're in. A lot of liquidations of Bitcoin long positions that have obviously is calling into doubt the future of their business. Um, and this is rippled across markets. BlockFi, a major crypto lender, they've got a 250 million revolving credits facility from FTX. And Maple Finance has said there may be instances where there's insufficient cash in our 
pool of funds to get back to investors. And then finally, there's Voyager Digital. Their share price fell 60% in Canadian trade um, overnight. That's after they said they've got a $700 million exposure to that hedge fund, Three Arrows Capital. So the contagion is being felt and it's rippling across the industry. And of course, it's going to be short-lived. I mean, no one's going to hide away from the fact that it's bad. It says bad things about the industry. But it's happened in all financial markets, including equity markets over time. So this is very cyclical uh, and it's going to be an interesting space to watch for the next six months. Very good. Thank you very much. Let's go over to Dr. Andrew Sitikowski and give us a bit of an overview of what's happening with the price of oil right now, Doctor. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first half week, uh, nothing really happened, uh, to be perfectly honest. It's just uh, WTI started at 111 and it was 111. And then, <laughs> brilliant. Thank tanked. you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> then it, it tanked five percent, and the same with Brent. It was like uh, one hundred fourteen, and then it was one hundred fourteen uh, half week later, and then it tanked five percent. So what happened on that Wednesday? Well, it was Biden. Uh, so that was I thought that was very interesting. So I will actually bring you a, a picture I created here. Uh, this is a quote coming from his. Uh, so basically, what he's suggesting is uh, uh, gas uh, and um, gasoline. It becoming cheaper so he's really proposing a tax holiday for those for 90 days and he is saying here it will provide families some immediate relief so of course as there are a risk of recession uh, the president is trying to help families that is in immediate pr pressured situation there are certainly data suggesting there are more people uh, in in uh, in Problematic financial situations. For example, we have heard of more and more cases where, where uh, people are s trying to switch one job to another, which is happening more increasingly in USA. And as they're about to start the new job, they're told, oh, sorry, that one is gone. Yeah, they're rescinding, they're, they're rescinding a lot of jobs. I think offers. the more important news from Joe Biden over the last week has been the video of him falling off his bicycle over the weekend. <laughs> Maybe they're putting on a scooter and there's more demand <coughs> for oil now. So and he's having to pay for it, so he's sort uh, of bringing it Not driving a car, bicycles only now. Yeah, 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 I yeah. saw that, Ralph. I should I include a picture of that as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very funny. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, interesting kind of space to be in. Let's roll on over now over to iron ore because I know that's something you've been keeping a bit of an eye on. What's the... Uh, part oh, an part? iron, yeah. Yeah, what's the prognosis? is there yeah so very negative start to the week for iron ore it was down quite significantly again um, as Louis mentioned with copper the you know the uh, looming global recession is dragging a lot of commodities down um, but off, leading off what Adam said in his first section to do with Xi Jinping speaking about his outlook on economic growth of China and he's like I guess pledged to really push for that end of this year we didn't see a little bit of reprieve late this week um, overnight iron ore was up over six percent um, but, uh, I mean, to start the week, the first three days was down about 12%. So still down. It is uh, throughout the session today quite very volatile week. It's down about 4% for the week. Futures down just about 55 um, So, again, lots of push on both sides. Supply, uh, there is still issues. Uh, Brazil is still experiencing quite severe weather. Um, and the demand, like it, every week there's something new coming out that really pushes the price of iron ore. It's been a very volatile couple of weeks. It's been up at 140. It's been down at 110. So very, very big moves. Um, and lots of volatility. But uh, as I said the last couple of weeks, China really holds all the cards at the it, moment. It's interesting. I was looking at some of the iron ore chart. Like obviously, uh, Fortescue Metal being one of them. Mate, there is some stuff that is on a brilliant level of support right now. Yeah. Big, big drop-offs. And Fortescue dropped something like 20% in the past seven days. So Yeah, lots uh, of opportunities there. Big opportunities there. Opportunities I, there. Yeah. Timing, it's going to be the tricky one. Exactly right. I think that's the thing. Like, it, like you said, there's a few that are looking really, really good. But all it takes is China to come out and say, we're going stricter on lockdowns again. I know we'll pull back 5 10%, and these will continue to just break through support if, if that's the, the outlook for the demand side of things. So lots of volatility. Um, again, it creates a lot of opportunity. But like you said, you've got to really time it perfectly at the moment. 
Very, very good. Thank you all very much. So that's commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. one 854 151 Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and take a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. Were there share tears shed this week? And who has Christmas come early for? We'll go straight over to the ever-mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Give us an overview. I know you've got your beautiful chart there. As always, tell us what's happening. Yeah, brighter picture this week to, to paint on the screen. For hey, we've got stuff up. Exactly. A, lot of, a lot of positivity, mm-hmm. but still... still. A loose mixed bag. <laughs> a loose mixed bag could be said about that. The biggest losers in materials and energy, as expected, with a lot of those commodities pulling back and utilities just ending, we'll call that flat. Otherwise, flat. Otherwise, the rest of the market ended higher. Uh, top performers of the week were information technology and real estate, up 6.82 and 6.64% respectively. Uh, and I suppose just a broad-based bounce in the market. Not a lot of notable news driving each any one of those sectors. A lot of positivity coming through to the US and feeding into our own market, particularly in the IT sector, the NASDAQ ended higher. Uh, we'll just go to uh, major announcements for the week. Uh, Crown Resorts, they received their provisional license, uh, which is, of course, the first stage to finally get open that beautiful casino in Barangaroo. Um, and, of course, hopefully that goes through soon. Crown has had to rebuild their gaming model from the ground up because uh, they were unfit for the license initially, but it does look like they're going to be getting that soon. And uh, I think it's in the best interest of everyone. We've got one of the most beautiful buildings in the world, Southern Hemisphere at least, sitting on the shores of the of Sydney, and the casino's not in You sound quite there. excited by that, mate. I am. I'll be the first one there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> any of the, our viewers that want to meet me for a, a quick slap, maybe, then I'll be there for <laughs> you. Game of blackjack. <laughs> exactly. Uh, moving on, <laughs> Clean Away Waste Management, they've revealed further costs uh, in certain parts of their businesses, um, upwards of 30 to $40 million of costs in 2022 to be reported in the coming month. Uh, just over a month now, is to be expected tagged on uh, to forecast. So they've had a sharp pullback, which is unfortunate. Um, and then Sezzle, uh, sorry, Zip um, fell 11.4% uh, kidding. earlier in the week, down to 46.5%. How about, how about today, though? Today's performance, mate. 
I was going to say, yeah, a slight reprieve today. Up, uh, I think it was 20%, wasn't it? 20%. Um, oh, that makes up for it. When you go to 20% to 50, I think it was 56 since they closed it today. Unfortunately, that's still down from the $14 high. That's <laughs> unbelievable. So, I mean, a slight reprieve there, but you can't even really call it reprieve. Certainly, it hasn't been zipping up much, has it? Not at all. And then finally, IGO, they've completed their acquisition of Western Area. So that's finally gone through. Um, shareholders have been paid their $3.87 cash per share of Western Area. Very, if you're a holder good. of IGO, Western Areas, and that matters to you. Very good. Let's go over to Dr. Adam Sidikowski and have a chat to us about a little bit of Australian consumer confidence. Yes, absolutely. There was actually some really interesting data coming from uh, NAB. So they're really uh, keeping a very close eye on uh, consumer confidence and how people in Australia are uh, buying and what they're buying and how much, uh, just to be kind of figure out do they afford their mortgages? And a lot of statistics I'll be mentioning here. So uh, just try to uh, stay on top here and l listen carefully to all the 50 numbers I have to mention here. So, but anyway, I'm just <laughs> you kidding. You do love numbers. Uh, yeah, I do. So of course we do know that inflation in Australia is very elevated. 5.1% is the highest reading. And this is the highest reading we have seen since 2001. So that is creating a little bit of a, a downturn sentiment. And the, the stress index from uh, um, NAB is down uh, for this quarter. And it was also uh, down the previous quarter. Actually, let's have a look at the chart. So this is, uh, showing the, uh, the stress index, uh, the consumer stress index, uh, reflecting sentiment. And as you can see, the last reading was at 56.1. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, certainly lower than we had previous uh, years, so uh, slightly concerning. What I want to show you in terms of data, so a lot of things are uh, in regards to what is happening. So grocery, transport, unitary costs are significantly higher. So 72% uh, of consumers are reporting increasing grocery costs. 66% uh, experience that uh, there is an increase in transportation costs. 59 experience uh, utilities going higher. And, uh, and, and what is then, how is that affecting their actions. So 50% uh, has actually switched to buying cheaper brands and looking for, for deals. 28% uh, cutting down on subscription to newspapers and magazines. 25% reduced uh, uh, streaming services, uh, gym memberships. 22% canceled uh, uh, home services such as home cleaning. 90% canceled activi activities such as sport and dancing. 44% uh, stopped buying uh, coffee, snacks, and lunch, uh, at least comparing to previously, coffee. or reduced. 44% stopped buying coffee. Cut down on buying coffee, snacks, and lunches. 43% started creating a budget plan uh, uh, to regulate the spending. 33% uh, delayed uh, their travel plans. 34% uh, uh, cut back uh, on charitable giving. I'll cut back on that. I'll, there, I'll, I'll, create a bu I'll create a budget. I'll cut back on that. I'm not getting rid of Netflix and I'm not cutting coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and then 29% uh, cancelled uh, major plans for buying TV fridges and other big uh, items for the house. And uh, But on the positive side... Finally, the positive side. Yeah, how many <laughs> Uh, Ten when we're looking at some of the things that's actually <coughs> keeping Australians positive, that is one of them mm. is the unemployment rate, which is record low. And so even <coughs> if they lose out on a potentially uh, on a job or, or get uh, sacked, there is a positive sentiment that they will be able to find something else. It's so interesting that people are cutting down on things like Netflix subscriptions. I, they do start adding up. Like, I've got quite a few of them. Uh, Especially how many streaming services yeah, there is yeah. now. There's Paramount Plus, there's Stan, there's yeah, Disney Plus, there's I think Amazon. I pay about 40 or 50 <coughs> a, a month on, on all of that one there. I still don't have a TV, though. So I'm still, <laughs> still on that page. I still don't have a TV. And everyone asks me, where do you point, where do you point all your furniture at? Well, I'll point it at the, the whiskey cabinet. <laughs> the whiskey cabinet. Very good. All right, let's go over. Thank you very much. That was actually quite interesting, uh, Dr. Adam. Let's go over now to um, uh, 
how high can it go, Mr. Howie? Uh, what are you looking at this week? What are you sort of seeing any sort of opportunities if there are any in the market at the moment? Yeah, so I wanted to touch on a, a few key pieces of news from today, first and foremost. Big movement on the market, as we said this morning. A few businesses up over 20%. One of those was Vulcan Energy um, in that lithium space, which has been absolutely belted in the last couple of weeks. Um, and they sold over 25% today. Uh, they announced that they had bought European automaking giant Stellantis on board as its second largest shareholder. Um, and now a lot of people are probably saying, who the hell is that? I've never heard of this business. Now they manufacture Peugeot, Maserati, Fiat, Chrysler and Alfa Romeo. Uh, so very big business and they've snapped up. Are you just talking about the cars that Dr. Adam's got in his garage at the moment? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, five of each. Uh, so they've snapped up 50 million euros worth of shares and that's about 8% of the company. So they did very, very well today off the back of that. Um, Betmaker's another one. Um, that they announced an on-market buyback today of up to 10% of the company starting next month. That um, was amazing. I saw that this morning. It was up, what, 20%, you yeah, said? More than 20 And you look at it on that chart, and, and it's the tiniest like of that. tiniest of green candles. I, I think that side of the ASX 300 is a big buying opportunity at the moment, especially with the macro outlook um, potentially for recession. We all know, that not just in Australia, but especially Australia, but across the world, one thing Australians don't give up, they actually do more of during recession, gambling. drink and gambling. So <laughs> big opportunity because a lot of those stocks are very, very downward trending. Um, but that big, big buyback um, and they were up over 20% today. Um, and the last one is Lake Resources. Lake Resources entered the ASX 200 on Monday this week. Um, oh, wow. Usually a positive thing for a company. However, they're down 50% this week. So this, okay. 50% in well, one... Today? What are they down today? They were actually up today. They, okay. were, they were so. How about this? I hope so. <laughs> they were up over fifteen percent today and ended the week down fifty percent. Fifty percent. Wow. So that is the Lake Resources chairman Stu Crow. He used a live webinar today uh, to hit back at short sellers. There was a lot of short sellers entering the market early this week, um, and he said we will have uh, significant news flow. There is a lot going on, and I think there's a risk in the short when we announce some of these positions. So I'm um, thinking he's trying to really push back at the market here. Uh, but not a very positive week for Lakes. Hey, if someone had sold down my company by 50% in a week, I'd be <laughs> You'd have to say something. How, about, how about this? So the company's still up 160% in the last year. So um, 50% but, drawback. This but year, year to date, as of a month and a half ago, it was up 100%. And now it's down about 30% year to date. 26, yeah. Wow, Unbel unbelievable. Big very, movements. Yeah, very good. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into that section. Let's take a quick break now. And when we get back, we're going to go through our final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea. Michael Kadari forms COSEC. Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients.
Welcome back. All right, time to move on to the final section of the show. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Do you think you might have found the next big thing? Why not take a video? Email it to us at info at cosec.com.au or send us a text to 0422-972-897. Tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. And the person who picks the best performing business will receive our very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. Now, to get things started, we're going to take a look at what the investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what oil, gold, and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers for the week were. Now let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come. And we're going to start off with Mr. By the Dip Dan. How high can it go? Mr. Dan Howie, what are you looking at this week? And why do you like it so much for the week to come? I will firstly start this <laughs> section by saying this was my hot opportunity from yesterday, uh, which we actually bought into. And it is up 7% today. So that's my start of this section. But the business is Altium Limited, ticket code ALU. As Louis showed by his sector chart, it was one of the best performing sectors this week. A bit of positive sentiment towards risk on assets. Um, it did very much benefit Altium and the tech sector as well. Now, um, they're a business that's engaged in the development and sale of computer software for the design of electronic products. Um, they're based in Australia, but they have sales operations in America, Europe, Middle East, and Africa as well. Also China and the Asia Pacific. So across the globe, they're selling. Um, and they focus on PC-based electronics uh, and design software for engineers. So who design printed circuit boards, yeah? Uh, yes, exactly right. Engineers who uh, design printed circuit boards. So a lot of semiconductor Now, work. correct me if I'm wrong, but a printed circuit board, if you open <coughs> up a computer, like one of the older computers, the printed circuit board's that big, that green thing that's got all the bumps on it. Is that right? You're going to have to go to the IT department. Okay, I'm going to have to go to the IT department. So that as, my as understanding is that's what it is, yeah. My knowledge in that space goes as far as turn it off and back on. Okay, and hope that it starts <laughs> yeah, back yeah. up again. But yeah, it's um, a big a big part of their business is to do with semiconductors and uh, printed circuit boards, which there is a large shortage of worldwide at the moment. It's a big uh, catastrophe for people across the board, people that are making cars, people that are in software, people that are in hardware. Across the board, it affects a lot of people. Um, and being involved with the sale, I guess, of the software and electronic products here, um, it gives them a lot of pricing power for their services, which is very, very positive. So if we look at their fundamentals, five-year period, quite positive revenues, stable are increasing, and so is the operating margin, um, which, again, it's always good to see a business growing, but at the same time, you want to see them becoming more efficient and more profitable at the same time. Um, and the net gearing ratio is negative, which I think in a volatile market, and especially when there's a lot of selling pressure, um, you know, picking up a business that has no debt at the moment is always a positive thing. Uh, brokers really seem to like it as well. Macquarie. They don't have. They don't have no debt. They've got like quite literally like what is it like ne their net ne ne negative seven negative seventy or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's a very very negative. So they're sitting on a quite a, a decent cash pile at the moment. Again, very very positive and a big part of mitigating risk and definitely in a seller's market. Um, brokers really seem to like this business. Macquarie, Morgan Stanley, and City uh, all see upside of 18, 29, and twenty six percent respectively. Uh, and lastly, technically, I want to pull this up. So this is something that we obviously picked up. Uh, I guess as a bounce off support, very downward trending. It's had a pretty big sell off along with the market. Um, but if you look at that very bullish rebound in recent sessions, it's bounced off a very strong level of support um, that it's used multiple times in the last few years. So it hit it on the 12th of May this year, as you can see where that uh, significant red candle comes down um, a little bit to the left from where it's trading now. Hit it on the 5th of March 2021 and was a previous level of resistance, which it failed to break a few times in 2018. Um, and just below that as well, you can also see another level of resistance, which uh, was actually its COVID low. So in terms of downside risk for this business, there is a level of support there 
And then there's the COVID low, which it's also used three times as well. So two very strong levels of support, um, which is why picking this business up is something that is a very positive risk to reward ratio there, I think. Now we can see today um, quite a substantial green candlestick. I think Billy could have helped me out here, maybe taking a snapshot a bit later in the afternoon when it popped a bit more. Uh, but it broke into the upper Donchian channel, uh, pretty substantial uh, bullish candlestick there, consecutive uh, MACD is just cross positive and the stochastic's positive as well. So still a little bit of room to run to that resistance at the top Donchian channel, about 6% to go, uh, but something that's rebounded very, very positively along with the market this week and I still think has a lot of potential moving forward. Very good. Dr. Adam Sedakowski, what have you been cooking up in the kitchen here? What are you looking at this week? Why do you like it so much for the week to come? We are a little bit short on time, so please be nice and succinct. Awesome. Yeah, so my pick is Sonic Helfick here. <clears throat> so ticker called SHL. And uh, one of the reasons I like it, it's really the fundamentals. Remember, if you want to think about in this period, what companies to look at, one important indicator is financials. Because if you buy a really solid company for cheap, that's a, that, that is statistically a good bet. So let's have actually look at the revenue uh, since 2015 on the chart here. You can see it's steadily increasing. So it's really a company where... Uh, and this is an absolute numbers from zero on this chart. It's not just like talk 10%. So this is an absolute how it's growing. So very, very, very rapid growth of this company. So people maybe think Sonic Healthcare is like already existing, uh, st strong company that is just steady, not at all. This company is really rapidly growing, expanding. So it, it has operation in Australia, USA, UK, Germany, New Zealand, Ireland, Switzerland, and so on. And it's growing and growing and growing. And that's one of their plans. And uh, the, uh, and that's, of course, re uh, reflected in earnings, ref uh, in financials, very strong. Institutional valuations are all positive. Uh, all, every single broker are, uh, are saying it's, a, it's a either neutral or a, or a buy or in between. So very positive. And also, if you look at this, uh, the chart here, you see that the company is growing and growing and growing. The earnings are increasing and increasing. What is happening with the chart? I mean, the price is going down. So there is no logic to it. So you're really buying it as a... At, uh, uh, for cheap here and you can see there's a really nice level of support here at this level that we had a couple of months ago so i think it really could be turning from here in a positive direction very very good and this was a stock that did very well throughout covid because of course they're involved in all sorts of testing and diagnostics i think they do the blood testing pathology whole lot of different things so did very well throughout <coughs> covid 19 of course this year most people have forgotten about covid as yeah, what's that yeah exactly right exactly right and uh it has had a little bit of a decline all right the ever mystic mr louis mossman finishes off good sir you have three minutes on the clock let us know what you're looking at this week and why you like it so much for the week to come it's a lot of time for you mr mossman three minutes i know wow well look this week we're looking at a race it's not something we always bring but i think this one's very interesting a REIT is a real estate investment trust so, so it's like buying a house but not really. <laughs> 50 50 you're halfway there to buying a house i mean the right can, right asset class i guess <laughs> i mean you could pick up the REIT. i'm saying for with uh just you know maybe 50 dollars and you yep. could buy a couple of shares in there but that nonetheless is a rural funds group and why do i say they're a bit more interesting than the regular REIT? um is what they're actually buying what they're leasing out so they're leasing out almond orchards macadamia orchards poultry property and infrastructure vineyards cattle properties cropping agricultural plant cattle and water rights so definitely when you talk about rural funds it, the, the name is quite <coughs> appropriate it's definitely looking at the agricultural sector um, and what's very interesting is they're the only macadamia really exposed company we've got we've got select harvests in Albany. costa group holdings costa but group also well, yeah. i guess leasing out to those businesses all cashed up at the moment with the way agricultural commodities are sitting and is, aren't we coming into almond season I, I'm not sure about almond. It's season. always almond season somewhere, <laughs> mate. It's either in California 
Oh, it's here. Summary's almonds. Well, here. with the demand for almond lattes, our almond orchards will be through the roof. So, you look, as I said, great diversification to a, you know, a sector where the prices obviously are going high for a lot of these commodities. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is food, and a lot of people will continue to you know, suffer that cost of higher food prices if it means feeding themselves. So, they are expected to hold up relatively well even though the market is turning down. They've got a 4.5% dividend yield. They're a billion-dollar company. They're trading at a PE of 21. When we look at the sector in general, that is at about fair value, and UBS says the same thing. What they're expecting is over the next few uh, weeks is the successful leasing of their macadamia properties. They've actually said it's one of the key parts of their business. If they can successfully lease them out for a long period of time, that could have a very Are they all in Australia? In earnings, the location I'm unsure of. Uh, what I do know, and this is something we found out when Let we were looking into talk. select harvests, is the amount of water that is required for each single almond. It's in the litres. It's, it's like over 20 litres. For a single it's almond, it's unbelievable. And you just think about it. I think it's the most water-intensive crop that can be grown. It's a thirsty nut. And, and, and for a company and for a country that has not a lot of water and we go through a lot of droughts, um, it blows my mind that we can actually produce them here. But we can, uh, and we've got um, orchards across the world. Um, again, fundamentally I, uh, War- I think we've got a client who talks to me quite a bit about almonds and, and that type of thing. That shout out to Mr. Warwick Date. Uh, if, uh, if you're watching, you know, always keep it coming. We're as interested huge in Huge amounts of uh, macadamia orchards in the Northern Rivers as well, New yeah. South Wales. Massive, like huge, big, big part of their um, agricultural side of things up there. Exactly. And uh, look, the fundamentals for this company, very positive cash flows, investment income and earnings year on year increasing for the past three years, despite COVID-19 and their net profits doubled in the last financial year. Finally, on a technical basis, uh, they have had that pullback along with the rest of the market. So, you know, we have to pick some downtrending businesses because they are being hit by the market and area value. I think so. Um, it hasn't traded at this price for su- quite a long period of time. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if there was maybe a slight pullback lower, uh, but at the end of the day, it obviously just provides an averaging imposition. A lot of these real estate investment trusts are probably a little bit more slower movers and can be seen by long-term investors. Potentially as seen investment. as fair value. Exactly Brilliant. Right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the show this week. On behalf of everyone here at COSEC and at the show, we want to wish our clients, friends and family a safe and happy weekend. And we will see you next week.